Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to the Deccan series. Today, we're going to be talking about Capricorn 1, or the first 10 degrees of the sign of Capricorn. All right, so what are we looking at with Capricorn here? First of all, we have a cardinal earth sign, uh, which we call tropical signs in the tradition, uh, tropos meaning to turn. So this is one of the, the turning points of the year where we're seeing either the return of the lighter or the return of increase of darkness. And in this case, we have the point where the sun is the lowest in the sky and is going to be returning, where the day is going to be returning to, to prominence or to power, where the daylight is increasing. So this is a really important point in the year that we call the winter solstice. So we're going to be talking about solstice themes with Capricorn 1. Uh, Capricorn 1 is, of course, hosted by the planet Saturn. And Saturn is a really interesting planet. Uh, and this is a, a planet that we sometimes misunderstand in modern astrology, but there's a lot of depth to Saturn. It is, of course, the planet that is in the outermost sphere of the planetary sphere model that's based on the geocentric model of astrology or, or of our worldview or of our cosmological worldview. Um, of course, now we know that the earth revolves around the sun, but back in ancient times, they thought that everything was revolving around the earth. Um, so we're thinking about boundaries, the boundaries between the planetary spheres and the, the realm of the fixed stars, which were said to be of a more uh, lasting, eternal and divine nature. So what are some of the themes of Saturn that we're going to be exploring here? Well, I'm going to give you some keywords. Uh, it's very difficult to distill a planet down to to a couple keywords, but we can get an idea if we explain um, from multifaceted directions. So Saturn, endurance, exile, that's a really important one, abandonment, deprivation, being cast out. It was associated with orphans in the tradition, darkness, ignorance. It was married to Ananke. So we thought of Kronos both as a titan that was... Um, you know, afraid of being usurped by his children. We have this kind of succession story between Zeus, Jupiter, and Kronos, Saturn. Uh, and Kronos, as time, was married to Ananke. Ananke was a force that kind of compelled us to do things and, and bound us to things. And binding is another word associated with Saturn. So the combination of Kronos and Ananke were said to be kind of bound around the world and caused it to spin, caused things to come to, to an ending point or to a completion. So that's something that we are thinking about with Capricorn and with Saturn. Uh, the concept of nemesis with Saturn was important. And nemesis was kind of this, um, oh, daimon or spirit that was associated with punitive justice. And punishment was another theme that we can associate with Saturn as well. So we have to think about that in a way that we can use, though, instead of a way that will feel defeatist. Um, what, what could we use punitive justice for? Well, in the tradition, they talk about the relationship between nemesis and tuke, uh, nemesis being the energy that restores right proportion to the random distributions of fate, which we can see being represented by tuke. So this is something where we might be restoring balance to something like potentially to our soul, to our experience, to any kind of thing that we're involved in on the material or spiritual plane and uh, allowing us through potentially through some difficult experiences, through distance, through, through an experience of lack, um, we might be bringing balance back to, 
to our inner equilibrium. So that's an interesting way of looking at Saturn. Um, we think about Saturn in the modern context as having to do with maturation, responsibility, something that requires a mature response. Um, I think of it like this. Uh, Saturn may deny things and, and cast us into exile, but we get to choose how we respond to this. Saturn, of course, is a one of the malefic planets. We call it the greater malefic or the, the doer of evil, you could call it in the, the tradition. Um, but I don't think we, we necessarily think about it as a moral judgment as we do in modern times. Because what is denied to you in youth can be cultivated with time and hard work. So we may be presented with certain experiences of deprivation, but really our Saturnian response is, is how we respond to those circumstances. And that is kind of the basis for the word responsibility, our ability to respond. So when we think about Capricorn, we think about responsibility. This is kind of a, the themes that I think we're, we're experiencing. Remember, Saturn was exalted in Libra, the sign of balance. So this is something where we're seeing that rebalancing energy. And here we're kind of seeing the, the, re, the beginning of a rebalancing of the night and the day, of the light and the dark, because we had this really extreme experience of darkness at the winter solstice, and now we're trying to rebalance and restore the right proportion of night and day. So that's pretty interesting. Um, we can also think about Saturn as associated with limits and boundaries. Uh, this was kind of the cosmic no, where you're getting kind of a you know, a stop sign, I guess, <laughs> to some of the things you might want to do in your life. Uh, Saturn was also associated with endings and with agriculture, interestingly enough, in the tradition, uh, with sobriety. Uh, I like to think of it as the quality of entropy, too. Um, we have some elemental um, energies where Saturn was cold and dry, which is sort of the, an antithesis of life. Like, think about frost on the fields. So we're, we're ex experiencing some decay with this particular planet as well. Um, and with Capricorn being the nocturnal home of Saturn, the nocturnal temple of Saturn, we may be experiencing some of these themes more internally. So this may be everything that is be trying to be kept within the walls of Kronos. So remember in the, in the mythological story of Kronos, he would swallow all of his children, Zeus, uh, Zeus and his brothers and sisters, the Olympians, and trying to contain them, trying to keep them uh, from doing harm to him or to, to usurping his position. So this is everything that's inside. And we can think of uh, Aquarius potentially as everything outside of the boundaries of Saturn or of Kronos. This may be after the uh, Olympians, Zeus in particular, were able to liberate uh, the the siblings or the Olympians from Kronos. So this is kind of Aquarius, maybe everything that's outside on the fringes. So this is a, a, an interesting dichotomy between uh, those two signs in particular. Now, I think that Capricorn itself is a little bit paradoxical because we have a, uh, a theme where we talk about two signs, Capricorn and Cancer, being the gateways of the soul in the tradition. There was some association with the Milky Way and the gateway where souls would come in and incarnate into being, and potentially the Capricorn gateway where things would leave the earth, earthly plane. Um, now, I think this is paradoxical because we have a, a point where we are experiencing the return of the light. Uh, and Austin Kopik, in his very good book, 36 Faces, 
talks about incarnating into a body and the descent of the spirit into matter in the sign of Capricorn and in all of the earth signs in general. But he, he has some different themes for what type of um, experience we're going to have in these different temples. So in Capricorn 1 in particular, we are seeing the descent of matter to rule and redeem according to Mr. Kopic. So that's interesting. We're going to be trying to build something in a new location. Uh, we're going to be trying to shape our world with a blueprint, uh, building brick by brick in Capricorn 2. And then in Capricorn 3, we have themes of administrating whatever we've created uh, through the, the throne and through being um, a steward of what we've created. But let's focus on the first decan in particular. That's why we're here today. So we've, we've kind of gone over how Saturn is the host of this particular decan. Um, well, actually, of, of Capricorn in general. But what are the face rule, rulers? We had, different, uh, we had different types of dignity and different planets that were in charge of different areas uh, in, in the tradition. And, and here we have face rulers, Jupiter and Saturn, both by descending Chaldean order with Jupiter and the triplicity method with Saturn. So this may be a push and a pull of expansion and contraction with this particular decan, where we may be looking ahead to the future and trying to, to maybe set a new goal, but also we have to deal with the reality of where we are and of the past that we're trying to incorporate into that new awareness of where we want to go next. Um, we do have um, a tarot card associated with this particular decan, and in the Rider Waite tarot, we see the Two of Pentacles. And then in the Two of Pentacles, we see a figure that is juggling two coins or two pentacles with a, a stormy sea behind him. Uh, book T calls this particular decan harmonious change, while the Book of Toth calls it just change. So we have two kind of energies with this. We're definitely looking behind us and looking forward. So it's this liminal space that where we are trying to figure out where we want to build next. Okay, so there was another uh, part in Austin Kopic's book where he talks about, he calls this a headless body, um, where we're seeing that descent into matter and that heaviness of Saturn with this particular decan. There's also a daimon or spirit associated with this area of the zodiac. And then this is from a, a fragmentary text from Hellenistic Times called the 36 Heirs of the Zodiac. And this is kind of a spirit that is, that is kind of presiding over this particular area. And in this case, it was the, the spirit Asclepius or the daimon Asclepius. Now, Asclepius was a healer. So this Asclepius was the healer on the, um, he was the ship surgeon on the ship, the Argo. And he, his, his healing powers were well-renowned um, from miles around. And, and he was one of the, you know, he had, a, he was in the, in the constellation Asclepius or Ophiuchus, similar, uh, another name for this particular deity, I guess you could call it, uh, he's holding a snake and he's able to tame the energies of, of death, of poison. Um, and he was so good at his job that he could bring people back from the dead. Now, this was something that was uh, very much frowned upon by the gods uh, because they were afraid that their, their power was going to be usurped, much like Kronos's fear of being usurped by his children. So I, I, it's interesting to see the overlap in themes with uh, the daimon and with the, the ruler or the steward of this particular uh, sign in general. So 
what the gods did is they, you know, Zeus or somebody smote him with a thunderbolt and like, and uh, killed him and, but did reward him for his healing prowess by making him a constellation. And we see that with the constellation Ophiuchus. So some interesting themes of, of being able to, to heal potentially from a long journey. Now you remember in the Deccan before this in Sagittarius three, we were trying to complete a long journey. And maybe we've, since we've completed that journey, we have to do some healing and doing some resting and doing some reflecting. Uh, the winter solstice is really a time of reflection. And we're going to be kind of really trying to process and, and come to terms with the reality of our situation. Now, that's really a Saturnian theme, coming to terms with reality, coming to terms with what is. Um, since we are seeing an, an earth sign, a cardinal earth sign, we're thinking about what we want to start next. So there are a couple fixed stars that are actually, there's one fixed star in particular that's associated with it, this area of the Zodiac. Um, we call this, um, this area Fasis, um, which is a fixed star that is in the constellation Sagittarius. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you my uh, screen here. I'm going to share my screen. This is a program called Starry Night Pro. And we are looking at the area of the Zodiac associated with Capricorn 1. All right, so we've got a, here I'm showing you the winter solstice of, of 2020. And you can see that we've got a time frame where we've got the, this is the, uh, the ecliptic. And it is at the lowest point. The sun is at its lowest point. If I go back a little bit, you can see that if we go forward in time, the sun is still rising in the sky. And as we as we continue to rise, it's going to be getting to a point where it's beginning to, the light is beginning to return and the daytimes are going to start to increase. And you can see that it increases, increases until we get to the equinox where that ecliptic is going to be crossing over the celestial equator. Now that happens roughly around the spring equinox. So see, that's one of our, of our points of change, one of our turnings. That's another tropical sign. But going back to the winter solstice, we can see that in this particular area of the zodiac, due to a concept called precession, that the tropical sign of, of Capricorn is now overlapped with some of the stars of Sagittarius. Okay, We have the constellation Capricorn over here, but we have the constellation Sagittarius here. So many of the stars of the first deck in the first 10 degrees or so were really associated with the bow that Sagittarius is holding, or I guess that the centaur uh, is holding. And one in particular is called Fosses, and this is in the eye of the centaur. So there may be some associations with really focusing on a target and, be, and trying to think about where we want to go next. Um, this is kind of a potentially a ruthless fixed star where we might get some blinders on where we're, we're not able to see anything else. Um, one of the, excuse me, one of the other symbols of Capricorn in general is that mountain goat that's trying to climb up the mountain and isn't going to be deterred from their journey. So we have to think about what we're trying to shoot for in this particular decade, what kind of new goals we want to set. Um, Myself in particular, I set my quote-unquote New Year's resolutions around this period of time, and I, and I meditate on what I, where, where I've been in the year past 
and where I want to go next. Um, so that's something that is really important at this through this decan of Capricorn one. Um, there are a couple other dignities that I wanted to talk about. I'm going to stop my share for a second here. So we have the domicile of Saturn, but we also have the exaltation of Mars in Capricorn. Um, not in the exact degree of its exaltation doesn't come until the third decan of Capricorn, but we can think about Mars as related to Capricorn in general, um, because we have this kind of severing and separating quality as well, where we are severing and separating from the past and becoming bound to some kind of new goal. Um, we also see the exile or the detriment of the moon in this particular area of the zodiac and the fall and depression of Jupiter. So this is a, a, you know, a place where the two planets associated with bringing life, the moon and Jupiter, are not really feeling it. <laughs> they are, this is a place of death and of contraction. So it, it is, it's really interesting to see that we have some dignities associated in this particular area of the zodiac. Um, where are kind of the the antithesis of life, Saturn and, and Mars, and then the kind of the the fall and detriment and exile of this the Moon and Jupiter. Um, in this first decade, in particular, we have a couple interesting bound lords. We have the bounds of Mercury from zero to seven degrees, and then the bounds of Jupiter from seven to fourteen degrees. So we have uh, a bound lord where we're really where, where things are up in the air. With the first seven degrees of, of Capricorn, Mercury is the one that is setting the curriculum. And Mercury is a destabilizer. And you can see in that, uh, that card, that Two of Pentacles card, okay, this Two of Pentacles, that we are, we're trying to juggle things. We, we may not know where to go next, and that's okay. I think that one of the uh, challenges that we have in the first decade of Capricorn is we feel like we have to have it all figured out. We feel responsible for our next steps and we feel like we have to know where we're going and set this huge list of resolutions and goals that we have to have. And I think that we can go through that journey over the, the um, decans of Capricorn in general, but in this first decan, I think we have to allow for some ambiguity. I think that is really one of the keys. Um, one other story that I wanted to tell you about Capricorn in general was the story of Precus. And Precus was the sea goat. And he was a, an immortal that was, uh, I believe he was a son of Kronos. And he was uh, somebody who could, had control of time, uh, interesting correlations with Kronos and time again. And he had the ability to, to turn back time. And he had a bunch of sea goat children and they kept leaving. They kept leaving the sea and, and wanting to go onto shore. So we've got this, again, this association with this liminal space between the sea and the shore. But once they reached the shore, they lost their ability to think and to speak as they would turn into regular goats. And this made Precus very upset. He made him very sad. So he was, you know, trying to uh, beg them to stay. And when he couldn't beg them to, when he couldn't actually convince them to stay, he tried to turn back time so that they wouldn't leave. So there's these themes of abandonment and exile again with this story of Precus. And eventually he was unsuccessful even through his efforts to turn back time. So we have some, some maybe conservative elements with Capricorn too, where we may be uh, idealizing the past, but we, we can't necessarily control it. We can't keep uh, time from turning. We, we can't really um, delay the, uh, the quality of entropy or the, the forces of time that, that are bringing everything to its natural ending. 
And this left poor Loprecus um, very sad, very lonely. And this could be something with people that if you have planets in the first decade of Capricorn, you may feel like you're trying to hang on to the past, but you're unsuccessful doing so. And that could be a very lonely feeling. Now, eventually, Precus was so lonely that he begged his father, Kronos, to allow him to die because he was immortal and he was going to be alone for, for all of eternity. And Kronos, being somebody who was, uh, I don't know, very practical and, and having some mercy on his son, allowed him to die and allowed him to become, I believe, put him in the stars like a constellation somewhere as, as the constellation Capricorn, the sea goat. So, Interesting story, a sad story, a sad story, but one, one with some lessons where we, we can't necessarily hold on to the past. We have to accept the reality and recept, accept the passing of time. And only once we come to terms with where we are, can we move forward. And this is another one of the themes of the two of pentacles is trying to figure out what type of landscape or what type of new goal or new field would be most fertile to begin to build on or begin to plant. So in this particular decade, we're trying to, to, to figure out where we are, where we want to go, and what the advantages and disadvantages of our new goal are going to be. And we can, we can use our experience, the past, to help us understand what this landscape might be like in the future. We're kind of figure out, figuring out the laws of the land. Okay, every single place has different rules and topography that we have to navigate. So if we're you know, trying to build within a mountainous terrain, that's going to be a lot different than if we're going to build on the beach and have to deal with the tide and with the, with the storms of the sea or something of that nature. We're going to have to build differently if we're in a warm climate or a cold climate. So those are things to think about. And again, I'm going to stress that there will be some ambiguity. So this is an exploratory phase of a new beginning. Now, with all of these decans, I like to do a uh, an I Ching reading. So the I Ching was an ancient uh, Chinese oracle where you would cast either six coins or six sticks to get a hexagram with uh, either solid lines or broken lines. And then there were some changing lines uh, where if you had one particular hexagram, there would be changing energy and it would change into another hexagram. So it would show the kind of where you were at, how the energy was shifting, and where you were going. But one interesting thing I found out for Capricorn 1. So I asked the I Ching, what is the true essence of the first decan of Capricorn? And what I received was the hexagram 25, unbroken, without any changing lines. So this is one that's called innocence in the tradition. So we have something called innocence, so what does innocence mean? What are we really thinking about when we are talking about hexagram number 25? Let me pull up some notes for you here, and I will tell you. So innocence. It's also called without entanglement. All right. So some questions that come up with this particular uh, hexagram. What is your genuine responsibility? Okay, that's, that's something that, that harkens back to the story of Precus. Is he really responsible for his children? He may not be able to stop them from going out into the world. Okay, like they, he may be having to learn to let go and learning to move forward into a new reality. Okay, 
what is not yours at all? I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times when we get to Capricorn season or if we have a lot of Capricorn placements, we do feel a sense of responsibility and being bound to, to people and things and, and situations in our life. And we have to really ask ourselves, what is our responsibility? Uh, what are we really, uh, what do we need to take care of? And what is maybe something that we're not necessarily having to, to, to take care of or to manage, right? Um, and that's a really important maturation phase is learning what we can control and what we can't. Obviously, Precus couldn't control his children, um, but he could control like his own, um, his, maybe his own loneliness. <laughs> and he, like I said, he begged his father to, to be able to pass on because he just couldn't live with that immortal sadness. Um, what is real? This is an interesting question for this particular hexagram as well, because we think about Saturn associated with reality, with sobriety, with coming to terms with uh, our limitations. And so that's a question that we ask ourselves. So we find liberation with innocence by not having um, expectations. Innocence is where we come to a situation without preconceived notions. So I think that that was a really great lesson that the uh, I Ching was trying to teach us with this particular deck and was, yes, we are going to be able to plan for the future, but we have to come to that future with, with learning that every day is a new uh, opportunity to begin again, okay? We don't necessarily have to base what we're doing in the future over our experiences in the past. Yes, we can learn from those experiences in the past, but if we come in with all of these preconceived notions, we might have really a lot of difficulty building from a place of, of purity and of, from innocence. So this is a time for reevaluating plans, goals, and dreams, understanding your current situation before moving forward, understanding the lay of the land, letting go of those preconceived notions, having be, becoming free by being present. So I think that that is really the, the main lesson to learn is how can we be present and understand our situation so that we will be able to build through wisdom and not through fear. Okay, so that's what I think I've got for you today. Um, yeah, that is Capricorn One. <laughs> so I hope that all of you are doing well out there. Um, this is a new series that I've started doing the, the decans here, and I'm going to be connecting uh, some of the transits to the end of the video. So if there, if you are experiencing this in real time uh, and you want to understand more about what, what's going on in the sky, there should be some links at the end of the video. Uh, I do have some donation links if you want to keep help me do making these videos and doing this work. Sorry, stumbling over my words here. I have a, a Venmo at Spencer Michaud and a PayPal me link. I'm trying to keep these videos as accessible to as many people as I can without putting them behind a paywall. So your donations will be uh, crucial to helping uh, that continue. And if you have more you can uh, help the other people that might not have enough by making a donation. And I appreciate those of you who have donated so far. Thank you so much for helping me do this work. Um, and yeah, if you want to share this video with your friends and hit a like and whatnot um, and subscribe to the channel, that would be great as well. So uh, I hope that you're all doing well out there. I hope that you can all uh, you know, live with some a little bit of the ambiguity and come to terms with the reality of your life so that you can move forward with your chosen goals. All right, everyone. Take care. Peace.